Welcome to an episode of Find Your Voice, a movement led by yours truly, Aaron Dew, a guy who has overcome crippling anxiety, adversity, and difficulty like so many of you in life, whose main goal now is to help you combat your excuses, take control of your life, write your own story, and most importantly, find your voice. So now, without further ado, I welcome the host of the show himself, Mr. Aaron Dew. What's going on, people? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Find Your Voice. My name is Aaron, and as always, I am the host of the show. So I am delighted to be able to bring to you today Taylor Proctor to the show. And Taylor is actually an experienced podcaster. In fact, she's had 300 plus episodes. So I'd certainly recommend after this episode, of course, that you go and check out her podcast. But what really got me fascinated by Taylor's story and to try and get her on this show was that she teaches happiness. But when I heard that, I thought, well, firstly, I want to be happy. And I thought, secondly, wouldn't it be great if we can pick the mind of somebody who does this for a living and then give that to you guys so you can walk away, at least after this episode, with something tangible and something that you can If you are feeling low or if you are in a situation where you're unable to control your emotions, have something practical that you can utilize. And that's actually what me and Taylor spoke about. But more importantly, I think you're going to find her story very interesting because happiness wasn't something that you would always associate with Taylor. In fact, it was anger. And now, without spoiling anything else, I think this is probably a good time to jump over to the show. Okay, fantastic. So I just want to start this show today then by thanking my wonderful guest who's from the States. Her name is Taylor and we were actually just speaking just before I started this interview that I was actually stalking uh, for potential guests on Instagram and the thing that actually stuck out for me from her bio was that she had the transformational happiness mentor in her bio and that just got me thinking I thought you know what I need I need a bit of that and more importantly I'm sure some of my listeners could all do with a dose of happiness so that was kind of the reason that I reached out to Taylor and I do thank her for taking time out of her day so obviously time constraints it's the morning there so bless her she's first thing she's having to listen to is my voice this morning so thank you Taylor for coming on the show and how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited and honored and delighted to be here. Oh, you're very welcome. And likewise, I'm very excited too as well, because as with anyone in the world, I'm sure happiness is definitely one of the things that we all aim for. And it's one of our goals in life. So hopefully by the end of this episode, we'll all be smiling and enjoying the rest of our days. (laughs) Before I carry on rambling, I really think it's important for the listeners and the audience to really get to know you a little bit so if you wouldn't mind if you could just kind of give us a bit of a history about your story and how you've kind of gone through life I suppose to almost now become a transformational happiness mentor. Absolutely so I was a very very angry person and I was the kind of person that there's there's a phrase, I, I grew up playing basketball, and it was um, on my wall, there was a, a phrase that said, hell hath no fury like five women on a fast break, which is the basketball. <laughs> it, was, right. it was awesome. And But when I look at this angry, angry time in my life, which was in my early to mid-20s, mm-hmm. I it's the phrase, hell hath no fury like Taylor, minorly, minorly inconvenienced. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. I would be... I mean, any small thing, and I would just lose it. I would be so angry. 
And there was a situation that really highlighted my need for emotional management where I, and I share this story to really, truly highlight like the level of anger that lived in my life at the time. Mm -hmm. I was on my way to a craft store and there was a parking spot available and I was patiently waiting, like the person was backing out. So I was patiently waiting. I had my indicator on and it was just like the movies where the person pulls out and then someone else before they can even drive forward pulls into the spot. And I was like, does this just happen in real life? Like I've been waiting for like two minutes. I've been indicating I've been waiting patiently. The person has pulled out. That's my spot. And the entitlement, the anger, the aggression came through and I lost it. I was screaming at the top of my lungs, flipping them off, honking my horn like crazy. And I like, and they just stayed in the car, rightfully so, because there's this crazy, angry person screaming <laughs> at them. And I, there was the parking spot went around this corner and like, so there was the way, there was the pathway up the parking spot and then the main road kind of went around the corner of this parking spot. Mm. And so I had to go around this main road. So I'm honking at them and flipping them off for a good couple of more than a couple feet because I have to go around behind them, around to the side of them and around in front of them to go back into the parking lot. And it was, it was a front row spot, by the way. It's, I wasn't getting angry for something in the back. <laughs> people, right. Yeah. Who, who, who would do that? Of course. So, <laughs> I uh, I pulled around, I park in my spot, clear, clear down at the end, mm. and I'm walking forward and they pull out of the spot. They didn't even get out of their car. They didn't even go into the store and they pull out of the spot and they drive past me and they roll down their window and they say, hope you're happy now. And I was like, <sighs> like I had never in my life wished for um here in the states we have uh 7-elevens and they have what's called mm -hmm. big gulps which are like i think they're 32 ounce things of soda i don't drink soda i've never purchased one i have never in my life wanted one so bad to throw through that open window <laughs> wow. wow and so i was a very very angry person about something mm. that's really so minor Absolutely. and i go i go into the store and i Everything just starts like swirling and I'm shaking because there were several things that happened, right? There was that initial anger that the trigger and then I felt scared mm. because what if they had gotten out of their car? Mm. What would I have done, right? Absolutely. What if, what if when they're driving past me and now I'm walking on, on the parking lot, they're driving past me. What if they just hit me with their great big SUV? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Right. So there's this, there's this anger and then there's this fear that takes over me. And then there's this, this shame and guilt that hits me because it's like, oh my gosh, I'm that person. I feel so mm -hmm. out of control and I feel so guilty that I, I just kind of lost it on a complete stranger that really probably didn't even see that I was waiting. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And, mm. and then the, the shame of I let my emotions gain control of like I, I lost control of myself and just let my emotions run wild. And it could have turned into a very dangerous situation. 
And then I was like, then sadness creeped in because I don't even know who I am at that point. Mm. I, I can't, can't even recognize myself. And so when I say I was an angry person, it is no exaggeration. Mm. And truthfully, it's, it's anger in a space of, I just was out of control. I had no emotional management, no, no emotional awareness and something as much of a minor inconvenience of walking a couple extra feet from a parking stall, several Mm. stalls down set me off. And so at that point and amongst many others, I decided that I needed to start making a change. So I started with just being aware of my emotions. I started trying to really see where that anger in my life was coming from. Mm. And for a while there, it was this teeter-totter, if you will, of anger and fear. And they would go back and forth because it would be, I'd be so angry because that was my defense mechanism. It wasn't, it wasn't flight or freeze. It was always fight. Yeah. And so when I was scared and I was scared of being vulnerable, I was scared of being happy. I was scared of being seen. And so I would get into fight mode, which would be anger. So it was this teeter-totter of me always being angry, always trying to fight the fear. When in reality, I just needed to become aware of my, of my possibilities. And I needed to realize that I wasn't broken. Because I looked around and I saw so many people who seemed so happy mm. and didn't have these this anger that I had or this fear or this anxiety that kind of was creeping in. They didn't have these things that I could see. And so then, you know, we grow up and we're like, oh, you know, everybody just, everyone's so happy. And why am I not happy? I'm broken. So I started to feel like I was broken and there was something wrong with me. And it wasn't until I started really putting in the work and understanding that I'm not broken, but Mm. we're also not just inherently happy. And I think that's a big thing, right? We feel like we should be inherently happy. And then when we're not, we feel like we're broken. And when we feel like we're broken, we feel like we're lost. And when we feel like we're lost, Mm. we fall into depressions. We fall into despair. We let our emotions control us. So I started putting in the work and started realizing that I actually was capable of moving forward, capable of not being anger, angry, capable of not, not being afraid of vulnerability. And when that started to happen, I started to gain confidence and realize that I was capable of having happiness abound in my life. Mm-hmm. And then that has become my mission and the name of my my business and my podcast is to remind people that they are capable of happiness abound. That's so fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing that. And you probably noticed uh, through that I was, I was resonating so much with your story there, Taylor, because one of the things that I really dislike about myself is my inability to control my anger. And I can be the most relaxed, laid back person ever. And I'm kind of sharing my own vulnerabilities now on this 
in this episode, which was never the intention. But I almost lose it. And the thing you said about the broken bit, I can resonate so much with that because then I look back at myself or I look at the person in the mirror and I think, that's not the person that I want to be. That's not the person that I wake up every day and I try to be and I try to live my life the right way. But in that state of frustration and aggression, and I mean, you mentioned a simple example there, a simple car space. I get those moments and I think you hit the nail on the head when you said entitlement. And that's something, again, I need to obviously work on myself with because I'm sure people listening to this will resonate as well massively. The whole when you lose control and you sit back and then you have that feeling of shame as you mentioned, it's not a great place to be in. So thank you firstly for sharing that because the premise of this show is to tell people that whatever they're going through in their life, whatever adversity or struggles it is, they're not alone. And if I may ask, have you got any quick, I know we could obviously speak about this for hours, but just quick tips that you can recommend to somebody like myself or somebody else listening when you get into that state of frustration. So for example, after this episode, if you go to 7-Eleven and you're about to park and somebody cuts you up, What's your first reactions or your method? So there's a model called the CLEAR model. Okay. And it it stands for circumstance, language, emotion, action, and results. I'll say that one more time. Please do. It's the CLEAR model. Mm -hmm. And it stands for C, circumstance, L, language, E, emotion, A, action, R, results. Fantastic. Okay. And an understanding of this model will change everything. So essentially, every circumstance in your life is neutral. Mm. It's just a circumstance. It's your language that you use speaking to yourself. So your thoughts and your language that change it from a positive to a negative. Absolutely. Either way, right? Mm. And when we, so I'll use the parking, the parking stall. Mm-hmm. So the person stealing the spot, neutral. My immediate jump to my thoughts of, and this is it specifically, I have been waiting. I've been indicating that is my spot. Who the are you to take (laughs) my spot and think that you can do this? Like those are all, that's the language I'm using. And that's a language of entitlement. That's a language of victim, right? And so that's, that sparks emotions because I feel like I'm the victim. So I feel like I'm getting attacked. I feel like something's not going my way. Therefore, I'm getting afraid. So that that sparks the language or the emotion of fear. And the emotion of fear sparks for me because it's my template that I work through every day, my next emotion of anger, which then, as I said, it sparks the emotions of shame and guilt and sadness as well. And nobody likes to feel those. So that continues to spark the emotion of anger to hide those. So your circumstance is neutral. Your language that you're using around the circumstance in your thoughts is what sparks the emotions. The emotions spark action. So I was angry. So my action was is that I decided to drive my car around them and flip them off, honk my horn, be screaming at the top of my lungs and taking actions that could trigger them. And I think it kind of did because then when they came out, they drove past me and decided to goad me on a little bit more. And then, then the result of that was everything as I stood in this craft store, everything kind of spinning around me as I felt this wave of emotions, this guilt, the shame. And the real result was that this was a turning point that I needed to change my life. 
So understanding that the language, we like if we go back up, we crawl back up that tier, the circumstance is neutral. It's the language we have around it that shifts everything else. So if I go into a 7-Eleven this afternoon, which is really funny, it's it's a holiday here. We're recording on the 4th of July, which is <laughs> yeah. the, the American Independence Day. And so it's totally an American thing to go get a Slurpee. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but if I was to go do that and someone pulled into my spot, mm. my first thought might be, seriously? And then I go back through, I go through the model. And so I'm like, okay, I need to change my thoughts. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe they're in a rush. Maybe they're on their way to go do something or, and they need to, to fill up on gas and they need to go run in and pay for it first. And I'm not in a hurry. It's okay. No big deal. And that changes, that changes everything. Because Absolutely. the next thing you know, your emotions are, okay, cool. Well, I'm not going to let it ruin my day. And there's a spot over there. I'll just drive a little further. And I could use the extra exercise and walking. And that's great. And so then the the actions of that is I walk a little extra. Maybe I smile at them when I as I'm walking past them as they walk out. And my result is that my day is not ruined by somebody else's actions because I, have, I all the way back up the ladder, controlled my thoughts. Absolutely. Oh, that's brilliant. That's that's really well explained as well. So it's quite easy to remember now. And I, and I was kind of following that process and I can 100% see where I get lost in it as well. I also can relate to your anger and fear thing. And I think I'm very similar to you. So even with the whole starting this podcast, the anxiety, when I'm in a situation where I'm struggling or I'm vulnerable, I don't have a freeze response or maybe I do, but I never choose to use it. I always have that fight response as well. So just having that clear process that you just explained, I'm, I'm definitely going to be using that myself and hopefully not feeling um, ashamed of myself when I lose my temper. So thank you so much for sharing that. And how long has this process taken you to really gain control of it? Because I, I think I heard you say earlier that you do this every day. Is that right? Oh, yes. So I work through the clear model every day. I talk about happiness in my life every weekday on my podcast, so it's a daily. And But this process overall has taken me about five years to be able to get to a point where I'm like, mm, there it is. Like I got, I got rear-ended the other day, and that's another situation where you're like, I'm not expecting this to happen. If I'm not emotionally managed in that moment, things could go south. And I'd like to recommend, uh, I use a technique called de declarations. Okay. And I actually teach a course on it. It's available online on my site. But I use declarations every single day to help me control the language that I'm using in my brain to then work that model. So while it's taken me five years to fully grasp and understand and be able to change my patterns and my templates from instant anger and victim and entitlement thoughts to happy, calm, and dare I say, grace, mm. right? Offering grace for other people as well as for myself. Absolutely. Right? Because that's part of that shame thing. That's part of that, that feeling, that guilt is you're like, wow, like I'm such a terrible person. When you can try to give yourself grace through the language that you use, understanding that now this is an opportunity for me to learn and to grow, and I'm grateful for that. And that can lead to grace for yourself, which then also leads to grace for other people, which also leads to being less angry at at situations that don't necessarily warrant it. Mm -hmm. So I use declarations. Uh, I'd be happy to share with you mine that I used specifically when I got rear-ended the other day. Yeah, if you wouldn't mind, please. Sure. 
So my declaration is, I am an intuitive mentor, vibrant, abundant, and filled with light. And when I can say that, Mm. when I can change my language to who I want to be, it can negate the anger of who I used to be, who I once was. So when in the situation of getting rear-ended, I got rear-ended, pulled over, and I was like, oh my gosh. Like usually my first, my first phrase is really because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like is this really happening right now and then I'm like nope that's that's not who I want to be yeah I am an intuitive mentor vibrant abundant and filled with light I get out of the car and I'm like hey are you okay and the woman was was not she was okay uh but she was a little terse with me and seemed irritated that she rear-ended me and my car was okay. Her car was okay. Like I'm okay. She's okay. And I'm like, you know, like it's fine. Like we, we can just go our own ways. And like she left and I, that's a moment where in the past I would have been mad that I got rear-ended. I would have been really mad that it seemed like she had no remorse whatsoever. But instead I'm like, no, I, I am an intuitive mentor, vibrant, abundant, and full of light. If I'm, if that's who I want to be, especially in that instance there, the full of light, that doesn't mean I have very much space for anger. And I can use that to transform my language, to transform my emotions, to transform my actions and to give me different results. That's incredible. You should be very, very proud of your transformation. And even just in this very short segment now, it's given me massive food for thought and hopefully people listening of just how we should try and at least work on ourselves to give ourselves grace. I think that was a really important thing that you touched on. So fantastic. So you're probably, I suppose, just actually going back to that instance, the woman was probably expecting a reaction from you. And I suppose I've been guilty of that as well when it's almost a shock factor when you're expecting someone to react a certain way and then they they handle it in, I suppose, a new Taylor's way with just grace and just happiness. And you're almost thinking, is this person all right? Yeah, absolutely. Because it's, here's the thing, it's so against the norm. Like, Absolutely. I'm I'm just yeah. going to say this right now, like emotional management is nothing that we are taught. And it's so against the norm that when we do see someone who is in a space of managing their emotions and in a space of positivity because of that, then it weirds us out. Like, let's just, Absolutely. let's just call it yeah. out. Right. Absolutely. It, it weirds you yeah. out. But then you also are like, there's something, there's something different about them. And here's the thing. We're all unique, but since emotional management is so outside the norm, when you can be a person who is in control of their emotions, and this is not saying I am positive and happy 1000% of the time. Yeah. I'm, I'm a human. Negative emotions happen, but I know how to manage and work through them so they don't control my life. Mm-hmm. But when someone has that, people are drawn to that opportunities come up that you would never have before jobs relationships opportunities like this to speak on podcasts like you and i found each other on social media we don't know each other personally but here we are having a great conversation that if i was an angry bitter person you probably wouldn't have even looked at my (laughs) profile absolutely so i've listened to some of your videos and actually seen the declarations previously on one of your posts as well and that, that fascinates me when there's people who 
I can learn from and I think if I can learn something from them I hope my audience can as well so I 100% agree but it's not the norm is it I mean I feel like we're in a society of just robots and you get the odd person like yourself who just stands out a little bit from everybody else and and to me especially I find that fascinating and um, I'm hoping that obviously myself through my journey I can try and express ways to help other people but I hope people that listen to you and follow you after this episode as well can take on some of the lessons that you've shared which um, which which are really really useful so thank you so much for sharing that well thank you and just on that then so you've now actually got quite an unorthodox life so I remember growing up at school and you were either going to be a doctor an accountant or, or some kind of profession that I suppose you come out of uh, college or university from you are now here as an entrepreneur you've got your own business you briefly mentioned that you've got courses on your website as well so what's a day like for you so I do have a a sideline job as well so my day looks like this so I am currently participating in what's called the 75 hard challenge so I'm participating in that so I wake up in the morning I do my vision board work and my declarations. I then feed my dogs. I make breakfast for myself. And then I read for the active 10 pages of reading a day, Mm -hmm. taking notes, highlighting, et cetera. Then I go back to my office and I journal and meditate, put on my shoes, take my dogs for a 45-minute walk outside, come back, get ready, well, mm-hmm. I take about a I take about a fifteen minute nap, and then I get I get ready, and then I come to my podcast studio, which is actually my mess of a closet, but it's great for sound dampening, and I record my podcast, record video at the same time, then I upload that, and then I drive to work at my day job where I am a marketing director. I lead three teams, mm-hmm. and do that throughout the day. Then I come home. And depending on the day, that can be a breakdown of working on my business. I also do one-on-one mentoring. So working Mm -hmm. with clients one-on-one, depending on the day that they've scheduled, and then time with my my husband, my spouse, Mm -hmm. and then it's usually to bed. So that's, that's what a day looks like. It's feels pretty full when I list it all out like that, but I really, really enjoy it. And, uh, I, I honestly, I love my life, which is something that I couldn't have said five years ago. Mm, I'm glad that you do. And if, if I may then, so the last five years have obviously been good to you. Can we touch on a time of adversity for yourself and maybe the lessons that you've gained from that? Absolutely. So about four years ago, so I was still really angry. It was not a great time. I, we had a family emergency befall my husband and I, Mm. and it resulted in my husband having to, to travel and I essentially living alone for about a year and a half. And in that still was able to communicate with my husband. Everything's great. But in that, was really my first time ever being really truly alone Mm. and I would and maybe this this may or may not resonate for for your listeners Mm -hmm. depending on where they're at but this was what it's really interesting 
So we just went through what my daily routine is now. Let me tell you what my daily routine is was then. So I would get up late. I would kind of get ready. I would go to I would go to work. I would be miserable at work. I would come home. I would grab some food, sit down on the couch, turn on TV, scroll through social media at the same time while I was eating. And I would do that for about six hours. The are you still watching or, you know, the continuous play mm. autoplay. And I would I would be eating that entire time. I'd be scrolling on Facebook or Instagram, Pinterest, name the social media site. I'd be doing that. And I would stay up later than I probably should have. And so then I would go to bed late and the cycle would continue. And I did that for about nine months. I gained 20 pounds. I was a mess. Oh, wow. And I, there's this, there's these deals that they do at the, the grocery stores here where they have the, the Betty Crocker, and it's very specific, mm-hmm. Betty, Cro- Betty Crocker whipped vanilla buttercream frosting in a can. Oh, wow. <laughs> and they do, they do 10 for 10. And so I would go to the store and I would get the 10 for 10 deal. And not that I recommend this, but it's very delicious when you put them in the freezer. Mm. It's like ice cream. That's amazing. Anyways, I would, I would do the 10 for 10. I'd put them in my freezer and, uh, every 10 days I'd need to go restock. Like I was eating a can of frosting a day, like the sugar and the overeating and the social media scrolling and the watching TV, I was buffering Mm. so hard from my emotions of loneliness and isolation and anxiety and fear of like what was going to happen and and all of these things and my first time ever really truly truly being alone. Mm. And that was a really, really hard time. And about nine months, nine months into that year and a half, something something switched. And it's really funny because I couldn't identify it before. And then I was being interviewed on another podcast and Mm -hmm. this story came up in a different capacity. And I realized what the trigger had been for me is that I I have a dog and I I make jokes that this dog in particular, I have two soulmates. One is my husband and one is this dog. Like I, I love this. I love him so much. And he was there with me. And I took him to the vet for his annual. And the vet was like, oh, he is really overweight. Mm. And it turns out that while I was gaining 20 pounds, he, yeah, he gained 20 pounds. And so it was like, okay, we got like, I love this dog more than, more than myself at this point. And I, we need to get some stuff together. So we started doing agility and I was like, I, this was in October and around November, I was like, TV is a problem for me. I am majorly addicted. So I'm going to do, I crafted my own challenge of no Netflix November. I like that. (laughs) And I highly recommend it. Mm. It's really hard in November because that's when all the good shows go out. But I did no Netflix November and changed everything because I realized I was bookending my routines with, I would come home, turn on the TV, eat for hours, 
do social media for hours, watch TV for hours. And that was the trigger that kept me in the cycle. When I stopped watching TV, holy smokes, the free time I had. And I realized I wasn't hungry for dinner. Mm-hmm. I wasn't hungry for frosting. I wasn't hungry while I was trying to buffer my emotions. And I found I didn't scroll on social media as much either. And I started going out and doing things. I started reading more. I started doing all these things that TV took that time and it was essentially keeping me down. Mm-hmm. And it was because I was relying on it to help me buffer my emotions instead of being aware of them and sitting in them. So while I had done the work for anger, I hadn't figured out the work for loneliness and for fear and for sadness and for missing my old life and prior to this incident. And so after that nine months and that jumpstart of being like, I need to, I need to get it in gear, not only for me, but for this dog that I absolutely love, things started to change. And that's when, that's when my life. And as you said, the it was really like the four years, but I wrap it up in a five-year time frame because the anger thing did happen before. But when you say the five years have been have obviously been good to me, no, stuff has happened. Mm. But I've just decided not to let it Absolutely. control me Consume anymore. You. Yeah. 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 That's powerful. I would say the thing that I've learned the most out of that experience is that well, really, it's the clear model, right? Every situation is neutral. It's the thoughts that we have that lead to the emotions, that lead to the actions that give us the results. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think um, Ed Myler, I'm not sure if you're aware of him as well. He says, life doesn't happen to you. It happens for you. And that's kind of like a summary of basically what you explain. I think yours is a lot more concise and something a bit more practical that we can all use. But just in relation to that story, I mean, it's fantastic because... I just want to thank you for sharing that vulnerability there about about your life and how you, the truth of what it was actually like. And even now you're still saying not every day is perfect because it's difficult when people after this show will come and click on your profile and they'll hear you speaking on your Instagram live videos and looking at your posts. It's difficult to think, is this the same person? Because the transformation, just trying to picture what you were like to just sit in there on Netflix to wait person that you are now. And that's incredible. And that's kind of what this show again is about. So uh, you're in such a great place now that it's going to be difficult for people to connect the dots and think, is that really the same Taylor that was on that episode? It's, exci- <laughs> it's exciting for me because um, I literally thought there are some people out there who are consistently happy all the time. But then now I'm, I'm starting to think, what's their story? Because I do believe that everyone has a story and there's always something that's happened in their life in order to kind of change their perception, I suppose. And I guess yours was just your dog at the start, having something that you cared for more than yourself to kind of bring you out of that rut. Um, And hopefully now it's more about yourself and helping other people and you won't need a focus externally and more so just trying to focus on yourself. 100%. I attended a conference last week Mm -hmm. and... They had everybody write like their their top three, the top three things that they they spend their time on and that they that they love. And they're like, okay, how many people said family? Mm-hmm. You know, raise their hand. How many people said said spouse? Raise their hand. And they were like, now how many of you said yourself? Yeah. And there were three of us in the room. Out of a room of a hundred. Wow. And this is a room of 100 people who are self-helpy. Absolutely. A very technical term there, self-helpy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I might use that one. Yeah, there was, there was three of us. Mm. And it was number one on my list. Mm. 
Like it was the first thing I wrote down of what do I care about? Who do I care about? What do I love? What is a priority in my life? And I would really challenge us. Like if, yes, my dog was a a key indicator to that on the loneliness part Mm -hmm. and the overeating Mm -hmm. and the emotional buffering, but still it came down to myself on the anger and the original thing. And I think we've been societally coached, if you will, Mm -hmm. that looking at looking out for yourself is selfish. But the thing is, is it's your life. Like you are your own best friend. You are in your head all the time. Your body is with you 100% of the time. So if you are not looking out for yourself, and I mean that in the most positive way, absolutely, right? If you're not aware of your emotions, if you're not looking at your routines and going, okay, I go to work, I come home, I watch TV, I eat, I scroll, I go to bed. That is my life every single day. Do I want more? You have to like, do I want more? And then taking those steps to do that and being okay with that back nagging feeling that this might be selfish. And at that point, you use your declarations. Who do I want to be? Well, if I want to be an intuitive mentor who's vibrant, abundant, and full of light, I have to become that person. Nobody else is going to become that person for me. So I need to focus on myself and have that, that quote unquote selfishness. That is so powerful. And I think the way that you just said it there was, was so beautiful. And I, with you now, I think we should all actually challenge ourselves to kind of love ourselves first. Um, and and it's, it's weird because a bit of a personal story, I'm not going to divert too much, but my mom suffered with um, chronic depression. She still does for about eight years. And as you were saying that, she was the first person that came into my head because her whole life is predicated on serving other people. It always has been and it probably always will be unless obviously I can almost challenge her to kind of put herself first. And as much as me or my siblings or family and friends kind of tell her, you need to start looking after yourself and start to fill up your cup first. It just never seems to be her priority. And it's always let me do this for so and so. Let's let me do this for this person. And I don't know, it just it just resonated so much with me that I, I genuinely believe that if she prioritized her life first, she'd have even more to give because she's a very selfless person anyway. And I think, especially if we're giving people or we have a kind nature, we feel that we should always give and kind of fill other people's cups up first. But you just hit the nail on the head there. One of the key things that we all need to try and do as we go through this journey of life and trying to figure out what we're actually here for is, is to work on ourselves first. So uh, that's really hit me. Like I said, Taylor, this is this is an incredible episode for me on a selfish level because I feel like I'm getting mastermind coaching from an expert here <laughs> to make me happy. So thank you so much again. It's, it's really, really welcome. useful. And actually, I want to, and I don't mean this in a, in a bragging sense, but I do mm-hmm. want to ask you because you've said this. So am I providing value to you in this discussion? 100%. If I had not focused on myself, mm. I would not be sitting here talking to you, being able to provide that value to you now. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I really... I love that you brought that up about about your mother or it really can be about anybody. It's way easier to focus on everyone else mm. than to focus on ourselves, but you are spot on. Mm. We cannot give to others unless we are comfortable and loving and supporting ourselves first. Absolutely. It's brilliant. I'll, I'll move it on then to another question I always like to ask people. What's your current biggest fear now? Stagnation. Okay. I 
And it's not a matter of always be moving. There's another type of emotional buffering, which is busy. And it's not like that. It's, It's stagnation in the sense of, I believe we're we're going to go deep here for a second. I I believe my personal purpose is to learn and to grow. I believe that's my internal purpose. My external purpose is to be able to share with other people and remind them that they are capable of happiness abound. So I have two purposes. One is my internal and that directly correlates to my external. But I, my internal is, I believe I am here on this earth to learn and grow as much as I can. So my biggest fear is stagnation because if I am stagnant and I'm not learning and growing, I'm not living my purpose. Absolutely. It's a brilliant answer and it's one again that I resonate with. But looking at this five years ago, I mean, you would have been in a completely different state. And even myself, I mean, I feel like I do a lot of self-development. I do a lot of working on myself. I try, but this has been something unique to myself because maybe it's because of the anger thing that we touched on at the beginning. And again, I hope there's people that listen to this who probably got the same kind of situation as me because on the outside, I might always seem like I have my composure about me, but <laughs> there's a lot of things that I do need to work on in my on myself as well. So... Yeah, that's that's a great answer, and I'm I'm sure that this happiness abound movement that you're creating uh, will continue to expand. And just on that, actually, then if you if you wouldn't mind, so we might as well put it in now, just before we go into the fun part of the show. If people want to do work with you or to learn more about yourself and more about this happiness abound thing, how would they be able to connect with you? Sure. So I have a website, happinessabound.com. And I should be very clear, it's happiness abound, singular, not abounds. Um, so happinessabound.com. And that has links to all of my social, but you can find me on Facebook at happiness abound blog and Instagram at happiness underscore abound. Uh, also, I'm on YouTube, IGTV. So, and then the podcast is on most major listening podcast platforms. So if you just search happiness abound, I usually come up. <laughs> Fantastic. And video or audio options. And then on my site, you can also check out my courses that are available online. And yes, I do do one-on-one mentoring and would love to work with someone who maybe is struggling with anger and wants to be happier. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, who doesn't want to be happier? So... And we are now, on that note, actually going to go into the fun part of the show. So this is something that you have no idea what's going to happen. I'm ready. Okay, fantastic. We're going to start in three, two, one. Okay, what did you eat for breakfast? A shake. Your biggest gift? My biggest gift for myself is my drive. If you could eliminate one thing from your daily routine, what would it be? Less naps. (laughs) I love nap. The ability to fly or be invisible? Fly. Would you rather have a rewind button or a pause button on life? Pause. Money or fame? Money, because you can make more of an impact with money and that could lead to fame. Absolutely. Your proudest moment? Ooh. Can we come back to that one? Yeah, sure. Your favorite food? Oranges. Netflix or YouTube? I think I know the answer. (laughs) The answer is neither. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. They are both rabbit holes of addiction for me, so I try to stay away. Okay. Your number one goal this year? My number one goal this year is to have a month where I have 10,000 downloads of my podcast. Your favorite TV show ever? I really like MASH. 
Would you rather know how you would die or when you would die? When. Your favorite hobby? Talking about happiness. <laughs> Love or money? Love. Books or movies? Books. If you could sit with one person in the world for an hour, who would it be? Oprah. Your worst fear as a child? Being stolen. Mm. Your favorite place in the world? Redwood Forest in California. Speak all languages or be able to speak to animals? Speak to animals. If you could abolish one thing in the world, what would it be? Self-hate. It's the root cause of everything. And finally, we're going to go back to that question that you passed on, your proudest moment. Um, that one's... Okay. My proudest moment... I have, I have lots. This is not a choice of like, oh, what should I choose? Like, or mm. I don't have any. It's like, there's so many. Because I, I do try to recognize these moments in my life. Mm. I think my proudest moment to date is that I I had that I wanted to become a uh, a life coach in the back of my mind for a really, really, really long time. And part of that was I wanted to take a course where I could become certified. And they're expensive. And so one of the proudest moments is kind of a, a twofer. One, I was attending a conference that I highly respect and I was like, man, I would love to do their coaching program and get certified. And I just passed the paper along because I, affordability. And we had just paid off a huge amount of debt on our credit cards. And my husband was with me and he's never at conferences with me. Like this was his first one. And we go to lunch and he's like, so uh, how come you turn that, how come you just pass the papers down? I was like, oh, we can't afford it. I can't afford it. We have a separate budget, like personally, and then we have our family budget. I was like, I can't afford it. And he's like, we can, and we can do it in cash oh. because we paid off all of our debt. And I was like, what? We can? And he's like, yes, and we sh and you should. You need to. I know this is something you've really wanted. And so we like rushed back from lunch. I signed up. So that was a really proud moment. Wow. But then, then the work comes in. And <laughs> yeah. so- and it was very intensive. And I think my proudest moment is when I finished because it was a very, it was, it was a large group of people. I think there was like 75 in the main group. And then we had segmented off into smaller groups to do, it was daily phone calls, daily homework. We had to create this entire binder thing. I had to mentor 10 individuals, a minimum of three times and put them through a mentoring program to become certified in this three month period. Like it was very intensive. Mm. And of my small group where there were six of us talking every day, only two of us actually finished. Wow. And so I'm really proud to you should be. be a certified transformational happiness mentor. And so my proudest, my proudest moment or proudest memory today is, is getting that certification and having that dream that had been in the back of my mind for years finally mm. come true. That's fantastic. You should be proud. And when you say that dream was in the back of your mind for ages, how long are we talking? I mean, has serving others or being able to influence people in a positive way been at the back of your mind since you were a child or was it something that obviously as you were going through your own transformation you thought I would love for other people to feel this way actually it was neither I when I was a child I had a myriad of like I will be doing a lot of different things and it's really funny because today I do a lot of different things <laughs> yeah. but I it wasn't after my journey either it mm -hmm. was actually before 
And I was listening to a Tony Robbins CD and I don't remember what he asked. I just remember I was by myself. It was late at night and I was listening to it. And I think he asked something like, what do you want to do? And I was Mm -hmm. like, I want to be a a coach. I want to help people. Mm -hmm. And then I started bawling. And because it just felt so right and like I could actually do that, which when we have dreams and things that it's like, I want to do that. And at the time I was not emotionally managed. I was a mess and it felt so far away, but it felt so right that I just was overcome by like tears of joy. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of those trials and things have helped me become who I am today so that I can help people. But it had been in the back of my mind and I had, I had, started like a blog and stopped and started and stopped and started Mm. and stopped because I felt like it had to be this perfect story of, of beginning, middle and end. And now I'm happy. Mm. And that just contributed even more to my thought that I had to be inherently happy because I would listen to other podcasts and people would have a beginning, middle and end and now they're happy. And Mm. I'd be like, I can't even see an end in sight. Like I must be broken. I must be wrong. Something's not right with me. And so anytime I started to try and move in that direction of this goal, I would stop myself because I wasn't perfect. Mm. And the perfectionism really hit hard. And so through the emotional management and all those things, and then the grace that tends to come with that, it really helped with my perfectionism. And I actually started my podcast before I became certified. And I feel like that had a lot to do with it because when I started my podcast, I was like, I'm just going to do one a month and start slow. And then the mm-hmm. pressure that every hit, uh, recovering perfectionist here, every hit had to be a home run because there was only one a month. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'd be worn out and burned out on it because of all the emotional stress of it had to be perfect. And I discovered that the thing that would work for me is if I could talk about it every day, because then I could share my journey in real time. Absolutely. Yeah. And and show that I'm a real person struggling with this and you might be struggling with it too. And here's what I'm going to try. Or here's what I was struggling with yesterday. And here's what I what I tried and it worked for me. Maybe it can work for you. And Getting over that perfectionist mentality in the podcast, I really believe set me up to be able to become certified and help other people see that as well. And I had to go through that journey before I could ever have just felt like, yeah, I can be a coach, Mm -hmm. right? So yeah, it was in the back of my mind before all the work happened, but I would not, when you ask like rewind or pause, I would not change anything in my life up to date. I would love to pause and be more in the moment and enjoy where I'm at now. Yeah, yeah. There's, again, so many things I can probably relate to on that. So I used to wear perfection as a badge of honor until recently when I realized actually it was perfection or being a perfectionist that was the cause of all my procrastination and me not Mm -hmm. getting anything done. So uh, even the one thing that I really enjoyed as a child was me and my cousin sister would sit there with an old cassette player which had a microphone attached to the side of it and we would record radio shows pretty much all day after school and I just enjoy speaking on a radio show and then somewhere from my teens to all the way through my 20s anxiety kind of consumed my life and I really struggled in terms of getting out there and I became a real introvert and it's only until literally this year as we mentioned before we started this podcast where I thought 
you know this podcasting thing i'm just going to try it um what what's the worst that could happen let's dr pepper it basically and um i've enjoyed it so much It's, it's been a journey i'm sure people can listen to my first episode and realize that i am a lot more nervous than probably today i mean i'm still nervous today but i think that vulnerability one that you're showing on your daily podcast and what i hope people can see from my podcast is that we're never going to be perfect and the the whole process that's where the beauty lies so i enjoy connecting with people that i would never normally see walking down the road like yourself i mean this conversation i've enjoyed it so much it's, and i would never have had this opportunity if i hadn't have just bit the bullet and just gone for it so i definitely urge people whatever it is in life that they want to do is just to kind of just try it because if you're anything like me i love a trier and if i can see someone trying i always i always try and root for them as well and i think the world will root for you as well but yeah that's just my little bout of inspiration <laughs> half it through this podcast i completely agree i th- i think that two things progress over perfection and then there is power and beauty in slow progress because part of the reason that we give up or like once we do start then we stop is because we feel like it's not happening fast enough but the power and the beauty that can come to you through that slower progress is everything. I should have just asked you to say it because I'm there babbling <laughs> on and you said it so eloquently. So <laughs> No, yours was, you were fantastic. I was very, I was very inspired. Also why I was being a little silent. <laughs> I was like, oh yes, I totally agree. Bless you. Thank you. Okay, brilliant. So we're actually almost at the end of the show now, sadly. Um, there's just a few things that I want to ask you before we close the show, Taylor, if that's okay. And the next question is about reflection. And I always feel it's important that we speak about this because this is where the lessons are learned. So I'm, I'm a firm believer that hindsight teaches us a lot of things. It can teach us ways that we can get to places quicker, easier, or with less heartache. So what I want to know is, knowing everything that you know, if you could go back to a younger tailor and whisper something in her ear, maybe during a circumstance where she's maybe feeling vulnerable or just unsure of where she's going in life, what would you say? I would say, you are capable of happiness abound. Because I, I felt like I wasn't. I felt like I was broken. I felt like I was wrong. And I felt like I wasn't capable of happiness in my life. And now I know that I am. You definitely are, yeah. And can I just ask, the feeling that you said that you felt like you were broken, was that your own feelings or was that an external influence as well? A hybrid. Okay. Right? You, you see other people that look like they have it all together. And when you don't, you feel like there's something wrong with you. You see and constantly hear like you should be happy or that happiness is the ultimate goal. So when you're not and you're not viewing your life that you're a human, you're going to have negative emotions and you just view it that you're broken instead. You don't feel like you're, you don't feel like you're capable. And I think that's a big, a big thing. And I teach this to the people I, I mentor and I, I, my clients because until you can feel like you are like you have to do some the work to feel like you're capable and when you feel like you're capable you gain confidence and when you gain confidence you feel qualified and when you feel qualified you can conquer the world absolutely i love that message thank you and that actually is going to bring us to the last question now which is Something that, again, I ask all of my guests, which is if in 150 years science fails to save us and we're no longer here and all that exists is a book and this book is about you, Taylor, 
and it's got all the weird and wonderful things that you've done in life and basically your whole story. What would the blurb, the summary at the back of it tell the person looking to pick that up and what would the title of the book be? She discovered she was capable of happiness abound and reminded others they were capable of it too is the blurb and the title would probably be happiness abound. Nice and simple. I love it. That's powerful. Thank you so much for sharing that. And we have already done the the social media plugs for yourself, but I would definitely urge people to follow Taylor on her social media platform. Again, I will definitely be doing that a little bit more myself. We just realized actually before this podcast that you have a podcast. Taylor, is there anywhere else that people can contact you or is Instagram probably the best place and your website? Uh, Yeah, Instagram and my website are probably the best. Uh, Website is the easiest because it has links to everywhere else. So you can find me on multiple spaces and yeah, be sure to reach out. I would love to hear from you. Thank you, Taylor. And for everyone else at home, thanks for listening. Thank you. That was really fun. And remember, this podcast is absolutely free. So all we ask in return is for you to share this with a friend and drop us a five-star review over on iTunes. Have an awesome day.